Welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series of conversations by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. We're talking about disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. In this episode of the show, Vermont Children's Integrated Services Project Director Julia Wayne talks with Nate Bezio and Annie Borden about Oak Ledge for All, a project aimed at bringing a fully accessible playground to Burlington, Vermont. Nate Bezio is a person with a disability, and Annie Borden is the parent of a child with a disability, and they both relate how they got involved with the playground project, how the project has progressed so far, and what advice they'd give to other people looking to create an accessible playground in their own community. Let's listen. So I'm Julia Wayne. I work at CDCI uh, contracting with Children's Integrated Services as their personnel development coordinator. And my guests today are Nate Basayo and Annie Borden. Welcome, both of you. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Julia. Uh, yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Oh. So can you introduce yourselves, um, what town you live in and how you're connected to the Oak Ledge for All project? Okay. I'm um, Annie Borden. I live in Burlington, Vermont, and I am connected to Oak Ledge for All as a longtime volunteer um, because my family lives in the neighborhood in the south end of Burlington that's really close to Oak Ledge for All. And our son has disabilities and hasn't been able to play on our community's playgrounds yet. He will soon, or he's starting to with the arrival of Oak Ledge for All. So kind of that awareness of um, the lack of inclusive playgrounds and play areas and not just our neighborhood, but our entire city and state is what got me involved with wanting to change that. And my name is Nate Bazzaio. Um, I'm actually from Colchester, but I live, I work at the Vermont Center for Independent Living in our Burlington office. Uh, I'm a peer advocate coordinator, which means I oversee our operations in the Chittenden County and uh, Northwest portion of the state. And our office is located on Pine Street. So my involvement has been kind of evolving since I first got involved. I got involved mainly through work um, as part of our systems advocacy. I had heard about the um, Oakland for All project um, probably in its pretty early stages. I had already been involved. Um, it, intrigued, it intrigued me. I went to a meeting, uh, heard about it. I thought it would be an outstanding project um, to get for BCIL and myself to get involved in. Um, I'm a big advocate for um, getting uh, people with disabilities more involved in recreation activities. So I, um, and also I'm a person with a physical disability. I use a power wheelchair um, and I was involved in it from a work capacity. Um, then I had a son uh, over a little over two years ago and it became much more personal to me because he's at the age where we start going to playgrounds and I'm now noticing that I can't be involved in playing with them because I can't participate in many of the activities that he is. And so um, it's become a much more personal endeavor for me at this point. Mm. Thanks to you both. Thanks for sharing. So could one of you describe the Oak Ledge for All project and what it has achieved so far? <laughs> um, Gosh, I feel like we both probably could with different different yeah. perspectives. So from from my perspective, Oak Ledge for All is um, a beautiful grassroots effort led by you, Julia, as you know, and oh. and and all of us volunteers to um, to create something amazing and um, and symbolic and and also really fill a practical need um, in our community. And it's to create a universally accessible, inclusive playground, and it. And it always, I think that is what the goal was from the onset, and it has um, evolved and, and, and shifted as we've been able to um, start new partnerships, um, maybe evolve some partnerships, and continue to persist and push 
and um, and advocate for this playground, and it has not come easily. Um, it's wonderful, but it's also still sometimes a little bit heartbreaking that it's taken more than a decade to, to have this come to fruition. Um, it will be fantastic, um, and it and it already has some pieces that are fantastic, but it has been a, a slow going project, and um, but but well worth the wait, I think. That's not a very articulate answer, <laughs> but it, what it means. But um, and and I think it's going to be a place that is again is for not just for children. Um, it, it's for everybody, for people of all all ages, but with a with a fundamental um, at, at the core fundamental values of inclusion, connection, friendship. You know, fostering community. Everyone is welcome and. Um, and I hope it will be a model for many other playgrounds throughout our community and, you know, our country. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Annie. Yeah, so just, just to tag on to that, um, I, you know, I have really been so impressed that everybody involved in Oakledge for All. Um, and I see that in the fact that it is not only been, um, it was a grassroots efforts, again, started by you, Julia, but the one thing that's really impressed me about it, it has involved members of the community and it has involved people with disabilities and parents of children with disabilities, which when I think about when projects are made, the feedback from those members of the community are not always involved. So you have members of a law or have a cookie cutter um, idea of what it is to be quote unquote accessible and a lot of times those aren't inclusive and they don't um, really include people with disabilities. So a lot of times when a new playground is built, it may be follow the parameters of the Americans with Disabilities Act, but in the end, it's not practical. Um, it is something that may, in order to be really accessible, it needs to be perfectly maintained all the time or the accessible portions are not integrated with the other portions. So you might have what's called like an accessible swing which is like way over on the side. So the, the children playing on there. So the one thing that's really impressed me about this is that the involvement of the communities of representatives meeting the disabled community getting involved. And quite frankly, also, you know, we've had a lot of support from the local, um, you know, Burlington Parks and Recreation Departments. They've gotten involved. That being said, it's not without its struggles. And, you know, it really comes down to um, as always, dollars and dollars and cents. And you, well, oftentimes you you ask for a lot, then you have to give a little bit and it's going back and forth. And we've seen that um, go back and forth through this, like Andy said, a decade of working with it. Um, but I've been very impressed with the progress we're making. Um, and for example, getting the surfacing uh, that we're going to be getting on the um, to the park, which is won't be just um, you know whatever the mulch or wood wood settings that are underneath there that are a problem, but a more solid setting so people with mobility devices getting in there, and then everything from the um, accessible slide to the accessible spinner, which will ultimately get in there. So it has taken a while. It you know obviously we didn't get everything we wanted, but it's a uh, definitely a, a great start and I think hopefully this will be um you know a step in the right direction to other playgrounds getting built thanks Nate that was great and Annie so uh, the next question here is how did you each get involved in the project and I think you did mention a little bit about how you got involved but would you like to go into that a little bit further um Nate I think the first time I met you was at a community charrette um, and then we got connected. And Annie, I met you at another community, Charette, which was a community input session. Um, do you want to speak a little bit about that and then how we, and then how you got involved? Sure. I can go first this time, Annie, if you want. That, 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 we can go back and forth. Um, yeah, so you and I did meet. It was at a community gathering meeting. And I, 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 um, I was at the meeting and I think I remember I had a lot of questions. I was going in, it was informal. I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. Um, the whole concept is good. And, um, you know, I, I just always, as someone who likes to participate in recreational activities, in my mind, I feel, I've always felt like the, you know, a lot of times when it comes to people with disabilities, you know, and people think participating in 
of physical activities, it's like, oh, well, it's just exercise. It's fun. It's, it's not, you know, it's not important. And it's so much more than that because of the psychological boost that gives to people the integration, the ability to make friends. So it's always been very important to me. So again, I met you and everybody else at the meeting. I was at the initial meeting um, and I just wanted to get involved. Uh, you know, I, I did a lot of my work on helping to make Burlington and Vermont more accessible to people with disabilities. And I started to get involved, started going to the meetings, trying to do from my end. Um, and um, from that end, it was a you know work endeavor. I always hoped to participate in it. You know, I, I like to play too. So I was getting on that. But, um, but again, my involvement got so much more when we had our son, Reese, who, um, who was born and he's now running around on playgrounds. And a lot of the times it became, it hit me more toward from a personal end as a parent with a disability. When we go to a playground and I can't push my son on a swing because I can't, can't get to the swing. It's either blocked off or it's in a mulched area where if I go my, and this actually happened the first time I tried it, I would go to go to the swing and I literally sink into the mulch and we need to like get three people to pull me out. Um, or, you know, get onto uh, some kind of device to play with my son. I'm usually sitting on the side, you know, I'm the person sitting on the side uh, in charge of maybe taking pictures and, and stuff like that. So this, this hit me a lot more home on a personal level. So I would definitely say it's become much more important to me on a personal level than it did. Um, so that, that's my involvement. But, you know, I've always been involved, always intended to involve, but it has really get a lot more home to me now on a personal level than it did. Thanks, Nate. Annie, do you want to talk a little about? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I think I got involved. Um, as you both know, I've got twins, Posey and Otis. And at the time, I think they were about three. And one of our favorite places to go was Oakledge. And, uh, you know, it had back then the original playground that was built in the probably 1990s, I think. And it did have a couple of bucket toddler swings um, that we could put both kids into. But at about three, it was just becoming a really challenging, really difficult to fit Otis in that swing. I remember um, it was painful for him because his legs are so tight from cerebral palsy. And, um, and it was just heartbreaking that it became something that we couldn't do. And it just stopped being fun. I just like clearly remember this, sorry, moment of um, Posey not wanting to go to the playground either because Otis couldn't be included. And it was also kind of dangerous. Like we'd climb up holding him and, and balancing and trying to go down the slide and he loved to slide. And, um, and that has become something, an aspect of Oakledge for all that I'm so excited about the family side, even though Otis is now 10. Um, so around that time I saw, I became aware that, oh my gosh, have we already outgrown the ability to go to playgrounds and my twins are still toddlers? Like that can't be so. And I started to do some research or there are other neighborhood playgrounds and we heard there was a fabulous playground out in the new north end and it was like the most complex challenging mulch surrounded you know in, not at all an inclusive playground and it was brand new and I was just like man how come there are all these new playgrounds that were not built in the 1990s that are so exclusive and then I saw a flyer about it it wasn't Oak Ledge for all it was when it was still called Peace, and um I heard about the community meeting that was happening at the elementary school down the street and so I brought the kids and I tried to go, but I remember it was upstairs. And so mm -hmm. I actually couldn't get Otis inside. So my husband hung out outside with Otis and Posey and I, I went in and um, she was very patient as a three-year-old. And it was you and the art, the designers talking about the plans for the playground. Um, and it was you know, a fascinating, exciting conversation for me. I think I was one of the few family members that was there, somebody with a child with, with disabilities. And so it was really interesting to hear the perspective from like occupational therapists and physical therapists and like medical professionals. But I was able to offer some, I think, real practical considerations and just reminding folks about the kind of 
the value of being universally inclusive. And there's not going to be a one size fits all array of play equipment, of seating, of all of these things. And, um, and it was just a really interesting conversation. And after that, you and I connected after the meeting and you said, well, do you like to get involved in this? And I was delighted and excited to obviously personal, personal motivation for my kids um, and my family. But I also am a nonprofit professional with lots of fundraising experience. So I thought it was an appropriate way that I could volunteer and apply some skills I had to helping Oakledge for All get organized and do some fundraising. So the rest is history. That was about seven years ago, I think. Yeah. And I'm sorry I get weepy, but I can't help but feel sad. But now, Annie, I'm for, you know, <laughs> I wish I was there to give you a hug right now. I, I, and, uh, and I, I've, I've witnessed your journey along the way, and I wish that this could have happened sooner for your well, children. Um, now, I think that as I've learned, you, you pick a project. And there are these legacy projects, right? So my twins are now 10. They do still love playgrounds. We were at Oak Ledge over the weekend. Um, but it's for everyone else. And it's for the families who may not have the, the capacity um, to advocate for themselves or to know what's not there. Um, so this playground is for everybody. Yeah. So this is the perfect segue into describing a little bit more about your roles with the project. So Annie, you have been incredible. You have been our wordsmither. You've been, you've supported our grant writing um, over the years. Um, you've supported us. I, I'll let you speak to what you've done, but I would just say we couldn't have done our marketing material without you. <laughs> Um, well, I don't know about that. I think you've got away with words too, but, um, you know, I do have a lot of experience writing written communication and fundraising. And I think, um, it becomes fundraising and, and requests for, for funding become, um, a lot more compelling when you can share a personal story. So like the biggest contribution has probably been being really open and vulnerable about my own personal experience and that of my son, um, to appeal to people who'd want to get involved and support us financially and otherwise. And, and the, the other ways that people are supporting, not just Oak Ledge for All, but our community is that kind of um, that awareness of, oh my gosh, I hadn't really thought about what it would be like to not be able to bring your kids to the playground or not be able to go to a playground myself. And so part of the journey has just been helping people um, understand about um, disability inclusion and how kind of excluded our family has felt from many aspects of our of our local community. So, um, so that can really light a fire to write some grants and <laughs> try to fundraise. And um, mm -hmm. I helped, yeah, I helped create our our website and create some kind of. A, a presence for Oak Ledge for all so that when we were talking about it, we could point people to the vision we all shared for this playground. And um, that was fun and, and exciting. And then as life happens and my kids have gotten older and in school and busy and, and you know, demands of my job, I've kind of flowed in and out in my, in my capacity. But Oak Ledge for all has always been for like the past seven years, my, my favorite thing to do in my spare time. Thank you, Annie. Thank you for all your time and involvement in the project. Um, and Nate, I can think of several ways that you've been involved, but would you like to speak about some of your role? Well, well, I think I've had a different role. I don't think I've been uh, as super duper as Annie has been, but I think I've definitely had certain portions of the role. Um, you know, from a, I think my big involvement was able to access some of the resources I have. Um, access in the uh, recre uh, recreational uh, community and also the disabled community to kind of help advise and consult on ways to um, kind of think outside the box beyond to improve the accessibility of the park and to um, expand on what might truly need to be universal accessible. Uh, I think of a context I have with um, like adaptive kayaking, I'm getting them involved and helping consult certain areas to make sure um, the, the beach uh, area by Oakland's Park was more accessible 
Um, also using my feedback, I, again, I think when a lot of people think of accessibility, they think of a cookie cutter approach to it and really kind of go beyond that. Um, I have had some references to fundraising resources that we had, most recently the uh, Christopher and Dana Ree Foundation that um, uh, with the um, kind of pointing the direction and uh, which uh, I helped make with uh, Sophie from Burlington Parks and Rec to apply and which got $25,000 grant for some equipment and um, really just providing uh, perspective and also the, like Annie's point is reaching out to people letting them know about this project and also reaching out to people who I know who have disabilities or are family members with disabilities about this project and get involved and to really help them think. You know, a lot of times there are people who are isolated and socially isolated and maybe they just stopped thinking about coming to places like a playground because they're like, why why would I bother and say, oh no, no, you should come check it out. You should, you should come do this. It, it's it's there. Or to even get involved and say, okay, so your voice, you have a voice that needs to be heard. Help, help speak up about that. So a lot of it is helping getting people involved, advocating wise. So, and like Annie, this is one of my my favorite pro, my favorite projects to be involved. You know, I, you get involved in a lot of stuff at work to help uh, help advocate for. But there's definitely some that has a personal, you know, you have a personal affinity for it. This is definitely one of them. Yes, Oakledge for all. Go team! It's been amazing working with both of you. And now also thinking about, you know, if people want to get started on their own projects, um, looking back 10 years, <laughs> the question here is, how did this project unfold? What happened first? Um, I'm happy to speak to some of the uh, initial things that we did to get it started. Um, but I think there's a lot more that happened along the way that you both participated in. Um, originally, this was... Um, a leadership goal that I developed through um, Vermont ILEP, Interdisciplinary Leadership Education for Health Professionals, say that 10 times. Um, and it, it was, um, it was a project that I that I started as a, as a special educator because I wanted to see my students be able to access the community playgrounds alongside their peers. I wanted to see them play and have the same joy um, as their peers in their community spaces. Um, and so we got a Ben and Jerry's community grant and we found a playground designer and uh, Rusty Keeler from Ithaca and he helped us design this initial concept of what the playground was going to look like um, together with the first um, group of volunteers that we uh, created. We, we pitched the idea to the Burlington Parks and Recreation and they were like, no, I don't, I don't think so yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's our priority quite yet. And so, you know, we, we, you know, we, we pitched it again. Um, and, and they said, okay, okay, we, we found some champions on the, on the Burlington Parks and Recreation um, Department. We, we found some people who were willing to stand behind this mission and, and found it valuable. And also, you know, we had, we had some people speak to the, to the Parks Commission who had lived experiences and, and said, you know, you know, my, my, my child can't access the space like, you know, like your child, you know, and, and it's, this is really important. And I think it, it helped telling their stories helped um, motivate uh, the Parks Commission to, to realize that this is something they hadn't thought about before and it was important. And, the, and then the Burlington Parks and Recreation Department um, slowly started working with us and we slowly got this project started. Um, and I think the most important piece was soliciting endorsements and building community. So we would go to organizations like the Vermont Adaptive Ski and Sports. Um, we would go to, we went to the Vermont Children's Hospital. We went to the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at UVM. And we said, can you teach us, you know, what's important? Who should we connect with? You know, who, who are some, who are some people who'd want to get involved in this project? Um, and from there, um, we started doing the community input sessions uh, where I met you, Nate, and where I met you, Annie, um, as the Burlington Parks and Recreation um, got a little bit of money to hire their own design firm to um, create a concept design and to start asking for community input. And that's when we had many uh, community input sessions 
And um, yeah, what happened from there? <laughs> I mean, one, one thing that comes to mind when you explain your early involvement is, well, a huge thank you. Um, because it's, I, I feel like this project, because it has spanned so much time, has really needed a leader. And I think that um, it's also amazing that you've been able to stick with it and been so committed. And I know that you do have lived experience with disability through your role as an educator, but not, not necessarily, you know, personally with your family. And so that takes just an enormous amount of just um, love and compassion for, you know, justice and inclusion. And I think that it was important because at times I would, I felt, I, I felt frustrated in other situations. Like when I'm trying to get the playground improved at, improved at our kid's school and they're like, oh yeah, if that's a project you want, you can do it. You can fundraise for it. And I'm, and I get really hurt and disappointed by the expectation that those who are the most marginalized and left out are left to fix it. When we, speaking personally, you know, I have a son who needs assistance and care with everything he does. And I don't always have the, the capacity and time to be as involved as, as I'd like to with certain things. And so anyway, it's really helpful to have people involve themselves, not because they're being directly um, impacted or left out, but because you know it's the right thing to do. And so having a kind of a coalition of people supporting this project has been really essential. And I think that it's not just the, you know, the parks and rec or the the clinicians, the people who work with people with disabilities or kind of the ally groups, but that we're involving people with lived experience with disability to really offer input and be the, um, I can't think of the right boat analogy, but, you know, like setting the, the direction of this and, and also being kind of like the check and balances when some decisions were being made that we didn't agree with or at the, or coming down to cost, we had to really fight and persist and advocate and say, well, we're not going to put all of this. Why put you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into a mediocre playground. Let's kind of raise, we need to raise the bar around what is a truly inclusive ex experience. And around the notion of cost, you know, some decisions were, were made. Universal design is very costly. We know that. Um, but you can also accomplish you don't need to have a million dollar playground every time. And so I don't want community members to think, gosh, this is impossible because we will never have the capacity to raise that kind of funding. I think it's more about the, the process, the um, changing the framework and increasing awareness at the municipal level so that whatever entity, if, if there's a parks and rec department or, the, or a town is investing in the playground, that they have the awareness of how we make this as inclusive as possible and how do we use the resources we have to accomplish that um, and getting away from just ADA compliance as Nate suggested. So getting really creative about whatever we do, it's got to be inclusive for everyone. And, um, and I think we were able to do that back and forth with Burlington Parks and Rec, but there were times where they pitched us things that were clearly not going to check all of the boxes for us. And we had to say, thanks, but no thanks. We don't, that is not going to be what we're trying to achieve here. And anyway, so yes, that kind of constant continuum of having community input, um, which it can be really tiresome and exhausting. And I think there are times where I was ready to check out if it weren't for you, Julia. So <laughs> thank you. Well, vice versa, Annie. I mean, I had three children through this, <laughs> through, through the, for the past, uh, almost eight years, I have, um, there have been times where I have, you know, been very stretched thin working full-time and being a full-time, you know, mom of three children. <laughs> and I think, um, I think our team pushed me through, you know, the fact that we had our community and, you know, it just, you, you also really helped motivate me at times. <laughs> and um, I think it, it takes a team. You can't do it alone. 
Um, and it takes it takes a team. And also, I think about you know we've had um, a variety of different volunteers who have been able to come in and out over time. People who have had the capacity to help for a couple of years, and then they step away, and someone else comes in. And you know, but I think at the at the core, we've had our mission, we've had our vision. You know, we've we've been able to kind of follow the keep going, keep chugging along, um, and that's been really helpful. Yeah. And I, I think um, to, to just add to that, Annie, is that I, I also think um, we have learned a lot. I have, I myself have learned a lot along the way about what is universal design and what does a universally accessible playground look like? We've had, you know, playground designers come. I remember some um, playground equipment folks pitched an idea for a piece of equipment that they said would you know, help children um, affect the play of others. <laughs> I was thinking, what? So they push something and then someone else has fun? You know, no, that's not universal design. You know, so we want, you know, we've been very thoughtful about each piece of equipment um, being hopefully as accessible as possible um, in theory. So hopefully in practice, it will be just as fun. Yeah, I think they, they said simulate fun, right? Like yeah. you could be on the side kind of simulating the fun that all your friends are having on the actual play structure. We were, it was awful anyway. So. I know. Uh, so Nate, do you want to add to anything to how the kind of the project unfolded along the way? I think, I think Annie covered a lot of that. I do want to say thanks to you also. I was not aware of the struggles early on, which I do look at the buy-in now from a lot of places, and I do know, like, you know, even with um, Burlington Parks and Rec, even though it's, a lot of times it does come to dollars and cents, sometimes they, it's definitely something they're buy, bought into and are committed to, to helping. So when you're telling us initially, they said, no thanks, the advocacy on your part um, has been incredible. I really do, you know, my early involvement, you know, thinking about, you know, what you're talking about was really what you're talking about. It was mainly us having meetings on, park design budget, how to raise funds, getting proposed designs of the park, what could go in, okay, what can't we pay for, what do we scale back, what do we keep, and come saying it, well, we want it, and I, I, I keep on going back to the all-accessible spinner, which, you know, which people in, real, in mobility devices can get it. That was a big part that we wanted to, and I remember some of the designs said, well, let's get rid of that. We're like, well, no, that's very important to us, because that's a big integrated design that will let, you know, children with a mobility disability or people get use those spinners. So I, I do remember us advocating and I and to Annie's point, really just the involvement of the community of people who have life experiences is really getting that and getting the feedback from people like that. And then just going back to all the times we thought we were making progress and then we got hit by this pesky pandemic in 2020 that really put a halt to a lot of things, a lot of halt in funding and just waiting for, you know, certain funds to come that were there and that weren't there and waiting for approval of it all and uh, just still staying the course and working on it. That, those would be my most memories of us is just looking over the schematics, talking, feedbacks, uh, being told one thing, pushing back for another thing and, and reaching something that really, while not super perfect, not everything we want is definitely an improvement and with the idea that we could build upon it at, at later points of time. So mm -hmm. those are really my 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 visions of it. It's really just going back and forth, but really focusing on fundraising and, and designing a park that is going to be truly universally accessible and you know also also work for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so so what do we think of the outcome so far? And you know have we noticed uh, any reactions in the community? It's not quite, we should say it's not, phase two is not quite done yet, <laughs> but it's, the hope is that it will be done by the end of the summer. We're waiting on a part for the large family slide. But phase two was opened in 2008, or phase one, excuse me, was opened in 2018, and that was the swing section. Um, and, and now we have our next se section will be the spinner, as Nate said, and a large family slide. Um, so have we noticed, um, what do we think about the outcome so far? Well, I mean, I've, I've noticed my family goes to Oak Ledge all the time and just the swing area. Um, 
which you know I wish had more swings, <laughs> that can be phase three because it is so popular, right? And they are swings that everyone can use. Um, uh, so I've had a lot of people from around the community at our local school just out and about say like, oh my gosh, that playground is beautiful. Congratulations. I'm like, oh, that is just a little preview of what's to come. I mean, they were just talking about the swing area. So I think that is definitely working to raise awareness and have that aha moment of like, oh, this is what inclusive, really what in, intentionally well-designed play spaces can look like. And, um, and the joy that comes from seeing all members of our community being able to access them. And um, so I think people will be really excited and odd when they see the the, you know, the grand finale of phase two come to fruition. Um, and I, I also think that it's not just the like physical manifestation of Oak Ledge for All, that's what we should be celebrating. It's the systemic change that we've fostered over the past decade and where we've come, as you know, like our, our municipal partner saying, no, this isn't a priority for us, which we heard you know, for the first few years I was involved to now kind of, even as recent as, you know, last fall, another playground went up in Burlington in record time that was not even ADA compliant. And that to me was like, gosh, have we not made any progress? Like, how can this happen? And I think that as devastating as that was and still is, um, it's another neighborhood playground, it did create this I don't know, there was like the sea change of like, oh my gosh, like we can't keep building playgrounds this way. And why are we going to keep building playgrounds that leave members of our community out? And it doesn't just benefit the people who are left out. We all benefit when we can connect and foster friendships. Like none of my kids' friends want Otis to be left out from the play. And it's, it is this, uh, this magical thing happens when people connect and form friendships. And so anyway, I think that that kind of hopefully systemic change of kind of shifting how we view playgrounds and investments um, in our in our resources that now our local community will um, do a more thoughtful job. Yeah, so so I'm I'm really excited. You know, I just can't wait. And I and I get you know, I certainly get why there may be delays. There's nothing you control in terms of the fabrication and making of it. Um, but knowing that it's coming um, just really gets me excited. Um, you know, it's like, when, when, when? Um, but already after phase one, I can also tell you the swings, uh, whatever word that we're in downtown Burlington, that's the place we go. So my my son can go around and I can literally this way get to the swings or even go on the one swing where I'm able to get it on it with them it's uh fantastic i do know that community partners i have uh, including my own organization they're like when is this park going to open we want to have some kind of event there we really want to hold something there to, to celebrate this and invite community members and um other um other groups i involved with is really asking about it and even with um you know vcil the organization i work for sometimes gets inquiries from people from out of state coming into the Burlington area saying, what are some things to do? And I do mention the Oak Ridge Park, you know, if somebody was going to say, you know, this is, this is coming. I don't know if it's going to be here when you get here, but it's something to check out. And it's not just a playground itself. I do think the overall area is nice. I mean, I mentioned this already. There's already work being done to the beach area, which will allow people with mobility devices to get down to the beach. There's a nice ramp and now we're working on mats that will allow people to get on. I know that they're, redoing the bathrooms so they're accessible um and um i think even have some adult changing tables which are which is which is something that is really something very hard to find so i think it's overall just it's a really big push and i will say um i think what it has done also is it has put for playgrounds the idea that we should really check about accessibility i i do serve as chair of the Burlington Advisory Committee on Accessibility. And I do find that more and more meetings, Burlington Parks and Rec is coming to us saying, we're planning some things. We would like the feedback of your of your committee on how to make sure they're accessible. And I know that some of them have to do with playgrounds, um, certain with parks. 
um, and making sure. So I do think what it has done is it has planted a seed in the um, municipal entities that we need feedback. We need to get feedback from community members as um, to make sure this is not just accessible or ADA compliant, but beyond that. Um, and again, it's still a work in project progress, I'm sure. Um, you know, not everything. I think we all know some projects that are in built that really could have used the feedback from um, the members of the disabled community. But um, I, I think it's a good start. And I do think that this has helped plant the seed for some of the other projects. Great. And so uh, the next question is, um, do either of you have a background in accessibility of the built environment or civic action? And can you speak a little bit about about that? Well, that that's that's my job, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm an advocate, so I'm involved yeah. in a lot of a lot of the work I do. Is I, I'm now more in a more of a management role. I, I supervise the PAC that would be called peer advocate coordinator. So what we do, and I still do, is a lot of our work is one on one advocacy for people with disabilities. So somebody with a disability, they might be trying to find adaptive equipment or a ramp to get in, we all help them get the resource to be built, or they're trying to um, trying to find, um, you know, um, a job uh, and maybe want to know about the, the laws regarding, um, you know, employment disability and maintaining your benefits. We help people understand that. Um, a lot of it is with accessibility, uh, making sure, you know, they understand. I am trained in understanding the laws of the ADA, so I pretty comprehensive understanding of how the Americans with Disabilities work. Definitely know of its benefits and its drawbacks. Um, so I do a lot of work with systems advocacy, meeting with municipalities and uh, and businesses, really advocating them to, you know, make themselves accessible and not only, you know, the law requiring it, but the benefits of inclusiveness. Um, and uh, I also do trainings. Um, uh, we do ADA 101, ADA 101 trainings. Uh, various trainings on different aspects. So it's really my job um, so to do that. So it's, a, it's also something I have a personal passion for, obviously for somebody with a disability who has been physically disabled since I was a young teenager. Um, it's something that um, my parents really ingrained in me early on is like, know your rights, know your rights, real advocate for yourself, which I think helped me. And um, it's something I wanna pass on to everything else because progress does not get made without um, advocacy. and one thing I like to tell people of the disabled community is all the time people are making decisions that are going to affect your life and they may not be wanting your feedback. So they're going to make decisions that affect you. And the only way you can do that is to get involved. Um, and that is something, you know, um, I, I think is very important and we need to try to push for. I don't have Nate's technical expertise at all, <laughs> but, but, but I have the the practical expertise of being a mom of of a of child who uses a wheelchair, um, and so I have that hands on experience. And then I do have a lot of experience with civic engagement. I've been in a role um, as an executive director of a current nonprofit for about fifteen years, and involved in nonprofit work for many years prior to that. So my entire kind of adult life has been devoted to working for organizations that um, work to create social change and have social change missions. And, um, and, and then I do have a long history of just volunteerism and kind of getting involved in, um, in different efforts that are near and dear to my heart or that can benefit from my time and expertise. And then this was a, a clear, obvious choice um, for our family. So definitely, you know, personal benefit there too. Thanks. Um, and so the next question is, what was the most satisfying part of this project? Or what, and what has it been so far? I think for me, even though it had its delays was when they actually started break their ground on building this new part of the playground and actually going down and seeing it seeing the construction vehicles. Now, granted, it was, I think, in the fall, so they had to pause for the winter, but actually seeing all the vehicles really breaking ground and saying, oh, wow, this is actually happening. Um, and I think that was, for me, the most satisfying end from my end, is seeing the breaking ground. Now, 
now it's been delayed, unfortunately, because they're still having to fabricating some of the part that's been delayed. But knowing that this is actually happening for me was really like, oh, wow, this is really satisfying. Um, and, you know, that will probably be trumped by actually when it's done and seeing it. But knowing that, you know, all the advocacy, everything, all the fundraising had come to something being built and ground being broken for me was very satisfying. Um, that's a hard question, but I'd say this, the simplest answer for me is, you know, the first time we went as a family for the um, ribbon cutting of the swing area and seeing my kids pose, you notice swing together. That was probably it. Um, but I think also kind of seeing our, our partners at, um, at the city step up into a, a really like authentic partnership role has also been um, great because I think like we've petered out and there've been delays that have been exhaust, exhausting and kind of incomprehensible. Why is this playground still not built? And they've stuck with it too. You know, they have been persistent advocates um, because it is probably, they've probably had pressure from um, leadership outside of their department to like, you know, maybe skip over things or reprioritize things. And they have stuck with it and they have added in things back that maybe got cut previously. And they've, um, and they have, I think, done a better job than in the very early days at, at listening. And, um, and so I'm a, I'm appreciative that we've had that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the most satisfying parts of this whole process has been that we have so many champions now that I think um, are willing to listen and willing to, to change and also make other playgrounds more accessible um, in the future in Burlington. Um, I think I, I just love going and sneaking by Oak Ledge and just seeing, seeing people accessing just even the swings for now. It's just, it brings me a lot of joy and to know that it's, it's beyond, it's beyond us now. It will be the communities and it will, and it will be, it will be for people who are visiting. It will be for everyone. It will be, and it will be a place where friendships can be built. So. Um, and so the next question is around the the project itself and 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 whether or not it has changed your view of disability or accessibility. Um, has this project changed your views at all? It certainly has mine, and it's changed mine, and I can speak to that later. But I'm curious if it's changed your view of disability or accessibility along the way. I think what's changed, well, first of all, I didn't know there were so many cool things out there for adaptive equipment. So I look at some of the, you know, I, an adaptive spinner. How cool is that? Somebody can get a wheelchair or the slide. I, the, the fact that they are out there is pretty cool. Um, so I think I see the, the encouraging and the discouraging a part of it. The encouraging thing is that there's all these great things out there. I think the disconcerting things is just how hard it is to attain them and just how unwell known or something that is, and this is really a lot of the ways, something that is specialized for a group uh, individuals. And, and when you think of people with disabilities, you know, um, you know, you think of it as a much larger group than you people would envision. And also it is a group that anybody at any point can join. So, you know, you think of disabled community and uh, all of them and it's something where as the population ages it's it's something people may be part of but how difficult it is to find this adaptive equipment um and also how how expensive it is um and really the only way to bring that down is to to normalize it to push it and making sure it's more widely distributed um so i definitely think that um so the good and the bad part is, you know, there's these great items out there. There's people who have put thought into this. It's just very difficult to obtain. Um, I think for me, and this is something I've always known, is just the really changing the attitude, attitudinal 
things uh, when it comes to accessibility. Um, and it's still definitely out there. Um, I think it has changed for the better. I definitely think about when I was young with a disability, interacting with people, um, the way they treated me disability as now being older, dealing with the next generation. I, I definitely see different in attitudes, but it's still just how a lot of times making accommodation or integrating people with disabilities is still an afterthought, or there is a they, you know, oh, well, what, 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 what do we have to do for them? No, no, no. And it's, it's, it should be more like an us. So, uh, you know, um, which I've known, which I've known about, you know, I, I grew up in that, but I, it definitely brought more forth just looking for, just looking at, you know, kind of people saying, well, why, why would we do that? Why would we want to include this? You know, we have, we have this little swing, this little bucket swing on the side. Shouldn't that, shouldn't that be enough? Um, and, you know, that is still something that's very discouraging, but I do see a shift um, in the younger generation. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's changed my thought that I, again, I find it's very encouraging. I think it's slowly um, at an iceberg rate changing. I definitely would like to speed it up. Um, so, um, but there are some very cool things out there that help inclusiveness. It's just really making sure they're brought to the forefront and more integrated. Um, so I don't know if that exactly answered the question, but that is, that is some of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And how about you, Annie? Has this project changed your view of disability or accessibility? Oh, gosh. Yeah. In in many ways, I mean, and and I think similar to Nate's perspective, it's like, in some ways, reinforced my fear that there's just so much more work to do. And just how I think how we continue to as a community in make these huge public investments in spaces that continue to be exclusive. Um, not just like physically inaccessible, but if there's the thought of including a ramp, once you get inside, they're not designed for really thoughtful, intentional, inclusive participation and engagement. Thinking about Burlington High School underway, that's, you know, going to be a brand new, beautiful building that's signature entryway symbol when you get into the building is a giant staircase. And so the fact that we are, that designers, decision makers are still not thinking about members of the community with disabilities is, that's really hard. Um, so yes, Oak, I think Oakland for All is a symbol of progress, but all around us, there's still so much more, more work to do. And, um, and yeah, fundamentally, it just comes down to like, shifting I'm, I'm really sick of the narrative that it costs too much and like I th when I think about building any sort of building it's like well you know windows cost money <laughs> and they continue to rise in cost putting windows in structures but we don't build structures without windows and doors and so kind of thinking about making our physical spaces the infrastructure more inclusive is something that as a community we can throw money at that problem you throw money at that problem and you can hopefully then foster the shifts in in attitude in 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 people's you know hearts and awareness and minds um but if we still can't get in the door people with disabilities then we can't participate and be part of that cultural shift and social change that needs to happen and so yeah i think attitudes are shifting but it sometimes feels it, it like incomprehensible how much more there is to do before, you know, in my son's young life so far. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm optimistic that there's more people, you know, keep keeping at it, you know? Well, Annie, you, you made me think of two examples of how I've learned um, through this project. Um, one is that I remember you would tell me that when you would go to Portland, Maine, every playground, had an element that your son could access. And it was just part of their paradigm. It was part of their built environment, it sounded like. I don't know if you can speak to that a little bit, but it got me, it's, it's you know, as, as we are 
we have such a great strong relationship now with the Burlington Parks and Recreation and Waterfront. And, um, you know, we're, we're really encouraging them to build into their kind of into their policy, into their mission and vision, the idea that in the future, every playground will think about universal design. Um, that, that, you know, that was one thing that I learned along the way is it, it's just, it's not part of, it's not part of the paradigm always. It's not part, Vermont is way behind. You know, I would go to, I would travel to California. I would, I would see these playgrounds that were amazing and take back some of the ideas. And it was just part of, it was just part of what they do. Yeah. <laughs> so often. Here, yeah, here it is an afterthought or it's checking the box on what's legally required, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think about um, uh, a visual that we've used over the years that I think has been really effective. And it was designed by Michael G. and Greco, who was a professor at UVM and connected to CDCI. Um, and it told it told a story. It was a true story in Vermont of a child who was waiting for um, the ramp to be shoveled. Um, and and the and the the custodian who was who was shoveling the stairs um, said, you know, when I'm done shoveling the stairs, I can get to the ramp. But the student said, but if you shovel the ramp, then we can all get into into the school, you know, together. Okay. And I and I would argue that you know that why not just build ramps? I mean, it's probably more cost effective anyway than stairs <laughs> if you build a ramp and you have one universally accessible way to enter a space, for example. I reference that all the time, that image, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things I've learned along the way. And it's, it's been a humbling experience uh, for me too. I've made some assumptions that I think were harmful along the way too. And I've learned, and Annie, you've taught me and Nate, and um, I think it's just really important to, to listen, listen to people who have had lived experiences and to just, yeah just listen as much as possible. I, yeah. I think I've learned that too, because I know that my lived experience is very different from somebody else with, with, with a disability and that disability affects every individual so differently. And that's been one of the challenging pieces about creating a universally inclusive playground because what works for my kiddo with a wheelchair may not work for somebody else, right? And so how to have the, the most equipment with the most, most um, likelihood that everyone can participate has it's been a work in progress, but I feel like we've nailed it with Oak Ledge for All. Yeah. Um, and so just wrapping it up, we've got a couple more questions. And then um, I think the... What is, if you could each give one piece of advice to other people who would like to see their own playgrounds become more accessible, what is that one piece of advice that you would give them? I mean, I guess my own place is don't be afraid to speak up, get involved very early, um, you know, go to find out whoever is building it, whether it be the local parks and rec community, the school, and, you know, provide your feedback. Um, attend meetings, don't take no for an out, they take no for an answer, make sure people see the benefits of it. Uh, one thing I didn't mention is, you know, a lot of people, yes, providing universally accessible is um, is more expensive, but it might also be more expensive in the short term. So upfront it might be cost, but in the long run, in the long run, it actually might mean not spending as much over time. I, again, I think of surfacing with mulch versus a more galvanized rubber um, with mulch would really be effective. You know, it might be less expensive to put it down, but you really have to maintain it and take care of it. Whereas the, the more rubber services are maybe a little bit more sturdier to last over the long run, but really trying to see the benefits and try to get as much people involved in the community. Uh, and again, it's not easy. All three of us are very busy people. You know, uh, we have a lot going on, but it won't be done in case people speak up. So do your research, find out what's accessible and make your voice heard. And that's the only way that you can really get it involved um, and seek the feedback of other projects that have been made. So look around and see what's been done and seek those feedback. That's what I would say, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd echo that. And I think I'd probably have different advice depending on who's taking the lead at initiating the work. 
I think if it's a municipality or a, like a school district or some kind of entity like that that's wanting to do that, I would um, just encourage the time for authentic, inclusive participation um, um, by those who are currently left out and not able to access playgrounds and um, really taking the time to do that and not just listening to a vendor tell you, oh yes, this is this is it. This is the equipment you need and your problem is solved. And um, And then if it's somebody like me that's wanting to create that realizes there's no place for their kid to play, I think it's like being really honest and persistent and um and being direct. I mean, I had to have some really difficult conversations with people I know and respect through my 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 professional role in the city about you, you know what why are we doing this as a as a city? Why are we continuing to in, invest in these exclusive places and kind of give some harsh feedback that was difficult and you know emotional to share but you have to do it and you have to keep advocating and um and I think be willing to be vulnerable and also brave because if you don't speak out it's clear that you know it won't be a priority until we create that systemic change where it is a priority and it's just we have a whole new rubric for how we create play spaces in our society. But yeah, so just be fierce advocate. And if that isn't your strength or something you like to do, recruit a friend who will help you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and so the last, the last question is, what is one word that you would each use to describe the project? One word. Persistence. <laughs> I guess today it it's definitely one of persistence. I mean, we're going on what eight years? I think I don't know how long it was eight nine years. I mean, so um, it's not letting go. You know, not letting go of the proverbial rope. Making sure it doesn't es escape. Making sure you you keep on pushing. Um, you know, you. Uh, it is one of just constantly working at it and pushing and advocating. So, and in the end, not maybe getting everything what you want, but really in the end, just really making sure you have something that's inclusive and making sure the feedback of those who are being affected in it, affect, most affected about the park are, is heard and that it's done. So, um, and it's going to be ongoing. Like I said, even after this one's done, it's going to be okay. It's done. It's great. What we, can we do to add on to it? Oh, there's a playground being built over there. Okay, let's see what we can do to make sure about that. It's just staying on top of it, being being persistent and making sure this to continue to go, to continue to 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 um to go after it. So I have to persistence. That's the first word that comes to my mind. The the word that came to my mind is love. I think for many reasons, I think just fundamentally when we create opportunities for friendship and connection and love we're creating a stronger community and um and everyone benefits from that and it's been a labor of love this <laughs> this project but i yeah it just comes back to yeah i think that this is going to be um a symbol of friendship in our community and i know i i see firsthand how um when my son is authentically included and able to participate, the profound joy that is on everyone's faces, not just the young people in the room, but everybody gets to, to celebrate this, this friendship. And, um, and that to me seems like the most important thing to come from this. Annie, you said it perfectly. And Nate, and I will add joy, um, which I think Annie said. <laughs> but it makes me think about one of our initial um, members who offered a lot of advice along the way, who is Deborah Lissy Baker, who was one of my professors who inspired me to take on this project. 
And um, Deborah, um, and I'll quote, um, she said, this park promises a place where all people can play together and be together. Universal or inclusive design brings us all together. And isn't that what design should be about? Making community possible. Um, and it's about joy, right? It's about coming together. So thank you both for being here today and telling your story and telling our story of Oak Ledge for All. Yeah. Thank you, Julia. It's very much your story. So I'm glad that you chimed in. You've been listening to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series of conversations by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. We've been talking and listening to Experiences with Disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. The music for our show is by Soul June, an audio library release. This show is a production of the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. You can find out more about the center by visiting go.uvm.edu slash cdci. Thanks for listening.